The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather here in the nave of Marsh Chapel on this parents' weekend, this head of the Charles weekend, where the head of the Charles meets the heart of the country in a service of ordered worship in the praise of God. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, sends his regard this weekend as he is away being inducted into his high school hall of fame. He insisted that I note that those of you sniggering right now will be invited to an hour's detention upon his return. Fulfilling the role of preacher this morning is Reverend Dr. Mom Robin Olson, our chapel associate for campus ministry. Robin is also a first-year BU parent this fall, 2013. Whether you are live with us here in the nave, listening over the radio at WBUR 90.9 FM, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later to the podcast at bu.edu chapel, we welcome you here to Marsh Chapel for this service of worship in a spirit of hospitality and grace. Now let us stand as we are able in the praise of God.
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, in Christ you have revealed your glory among the nations. Preserve the works of your mercy, that your church throughout the world may persevere with steadfast love in the confession of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We invite you to enter a time and spirit of confession as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie. Dearly beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 27 through 34. The days are surely coming says the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of humans and the seed of animals. And just as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring evil, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. In those days they shall no longer say, the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But all shall die for their own sins. The teeth of everyone who eats sour grapes shall be set on edge. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, 
when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to one another, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. lesson from St. Paul's second epistle to Timothy, chapter 3, verse 14, through chapter 4, verse 5. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
and for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. The word of the Lord. Please join in reading responsively verses from Psalm 119 with the antiphon. your law. It is my meditation all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn away from your ordinances, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I have every false way. rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for the people. And in that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. But later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts prove acceptable in thy sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I am a parent today. Yes, I stand in this pulpit as a pastor whose head and heart have been claimed for years by the joy of ministry with young adults. But today, the title I claim is Mom. I am here for Parents Weekend, and I welcome members of my parent posse who have traveled across the country to spend time on campus with our sons and daughters. Dean Hill kept reminding me that today is a special day because we have been granted visitation rights. <laughs> Welcome to Campus Parents. If you've had a conversation with me for longer than five minutes this fall, you know that my son is a freshman here at BU. All right, let's be honest, it's probably more like two minutes <laughs> into the conversation in our meeting. All right, you have to tell the truth from the pulpit. It has been a message of my heart emblazoned in neon on my sleeve for everyone to see. My son is a freshman here. I'm kind of that mom, the proud mom who is so close to her son, who's had a hard time letting him go. Now, you are allowed to laugh with me when I tell you that I have had to let him go all the way from my workplace here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue to his residence at 700 Commonwealth <laughs> Avenue. As a chaplain, I've led many events over the years for parents dropping their kids off at college, but I have to tell you it is a profoundly different experience when it is your own child. Brother Larry, wait till kindergarten. <laughs> I am a parent today. Did I mention that? Have we been in conversation for two minutes or so? I have been rereading some of my higher education books on college transitions, especially those passages that relate to parents. I haven't read so many parenting books since those infancy years. But I'm honoring this unique time of transition. I'm trying to get it right. Our lesson from Jeremiah today has a pithy proverb about first generations not getting it right for the next generation. Jeremiah admonishes that the parents ate the sour grapes and the children got the stomach ache. Parents, we can do better than that. And Jeremiah believes that too. He knows that the mistakes of the elders need not become the problems of the children. Of course, you know, it goes both ways. And did you notice that really funny text in the Psalter today? I just think on Parents Weekend it was interesting that the lectionary had us all say, well, not without some attitude, I understand more than the aged. Now, FYI, students, I'm suggesting you not quote that to your parents at lunch today. I have more understood it than the aged. But since we parents are trying to get it right, 
let's name a place of origin for us. And so I quote from my fall canonical literature, Letting Go, A Parent's Guide to Understanding the College Years. We all know intellectually that this is a time for our children to separate and assert their own independence. But long after they have left home and become taller or stronger than we are, our primal protective feelings are easily unleashed. We carry images in our head of the curly-haired toddler, the gap-toothed six-year-old, and times when a hug could make everything all better. The mature, rational part of us wants them to solve their own problems and believes that they can. But another part of us wants to stay connected, be in control, protect them from all of the pain that they will have to face." End quote. When our son announced to us, complete with drum roll, that he was choosing BU from the 10 schools on his horizon, we were thrilled. Not the Midwest College. We thought he might choose 12 hours from here, but nine miles from home. We were ecstatic. My husband and I love this university. Having met here, having both earned our first graduate degrees here, now both working here on campus, our highly literate son could read the excitement in our faces. He even read that chapter in our minds that something like, maybe that empty nest won't be so empty, with our youngest son living a couple blocks from our offices. Well, then our son presented us with a carefully premeditated, bullet-pointed speech that he coined his rules of engagement for attending Boston University. <laughs> and they're all the lovely not, thou shalt not commandments. Mom, you will not greet me with your usual outgoing enthusiasm. No unsolicited hugging. If we pass by one another on Com Ave, you may greet me with restraint if I have first acknowledged you. <laughs> this acknowledgement will be in the form of a nod of the head, maybe a smile. No acknowledgement, no greeting. These are direct quotes. <laughs> If we see each other in the GSU, and he kind of shivered, and you are looking for a table at which to eat lunch, and I give said acknowledgement, you may come over just to say hello, even to my group of friends, but no, honey, how are you, I love you, I miss you kind of talk. Communication will be occasional texts and phone calls, and I will be home for Thanksgiving. I thought for a moment and I said, so you want us to pretend that you're in college in Ohio? He said, exactly. <laughs> My son is here in the sanctuary today. My son, who has been raised by two United Methodist clergy parents, is a PK squared. My son, who has been the object of many a sermon illustration in many a church. 
my son whose classroom building shares a plaza with this chapel. My son who shares DNA with a BU chapel associate and a professor. So my gift to my beloved, amazing, wonderful son is that I will let him be anonymous. But it doesn't really work in conversation, so I have to call him something. So I have been calling him he who must not be named. <laughs> you know who is in the house today. Now you know who grew up book by book with Harry Potter and the Hogwarts Posse. You know who is a reference to Lord Voldemort himself. <laughs> the source of all evil and fear and chaos in the world. Now, I got to admit, this is where the pseudonym loses some of its utility, <laughs> because I just want to go on the record to say my son is not the Dark Lord. <laughs> but it's the best I've got. Students, you got to trust us. We parents are doing the best we can to let go and to set you free. For like Robert Browning, we know that the best is yet to be. You know who? I have a few rules of engagement that I would like to share in this moment. As I applaud, I really applaud your disengagement from your parents, I have three rules of my own to share. Look up, and I mean this one with utter love and sincerity and kindness, get lost. And three, be unrecognizable. First, look up. In my first parish, there was a framed Norman Rockwell print that featured St. Thomas Episcopal Church on Fifth Avenue in New York, a Gothic revival beauty of a church. Numerous urban pedestrians are passing by the church, each downcast, slumped in this cement-gazing routine. Not a one is looking up. Then the rector is outside on the steps in full vestment, and he's just posted his sermon title out on the church board, and it's entitled, Lift Up Thine Eyes. You can sense both his Jeremiah admonition, what are you doing, people, and his Jeremiah vision that life can be lived with so much more abundance. Dean Howard Thurman stands on the steps of Marsh Chapel 24-7, calling out to everyone who passes by, come alive, figure out what makes you come alive and go do it. Lift up thine eyes. Look in, around you and that will help for you to look deep to the hunger within you. Look up, look in. That sounds a little bit like an Albus Dumbledore wisdom, don't you think? Look up. Now, the mom here just wants to mention, please look both ways when crossing Comav. <laughs> There's the 57 bus, the BU shuttle, cars, taxis, the T, bikes, students on skateboards, not so smart pedestrians glued to smartphones. Look up. Be attentive to your splendor. Live mindfully. 
With intentionality, put down your virtual world so that you may live into the incarnational world of God's people right here, right now. When my generation went to college, we were exhorted to do this newfangled thing called study abroad. For this globally connected generation in a postmodern flattened world, I have no doubt that you are engaging the world, but I exhort you to engage the person right next to you. Sharon Delos Parks, who writes about emerging adulthood and faith, notes that young people are hungry for hearth places. Hearth places are places where people linger with one another with invitation to pause, to reflect, to be. They offer an exquisite balance of stability and motion. They are places of contemplation, contemplation defined by Quaker Douglas Steele Steer as a, condi a continual condition of prayerful sensitivity to what is going on. Be attentive to what is going on. This can be in a Marsh Chapel fellowship meal when you discover that inquiring minds really belong in this place. This can be on your dorm floor when your friends throw you a surprise 18th birthday party. This can be when you look your classmates in the eye as you're walking down the street and smile to each person. Hearth times can happen on the tea in serendipitous conversation with a fellow sojourner. They can be when you meet an international student studying a different discipline from yours, and common ground morphs from a phrase of, Herman, of Howard Thurman to a discovery of your heart. Now this is where we parents have to nuance one of the previous rules of engagement that we gave you in grade school. Remember when the local sheriff sent an officer to your school and you learned about stranger danger? You know how to be smart and safe, but our faith urges us to engage the stranger in our midst. In addition to your 1,452 closest Facebook friends, did you know that in the class of 2017, right here on campus, there are students from 66 different countries? Look up. Delos Parks writes that the hunger for hearth-sized conversations persists, and it can be ignored only at the cost of a malnourished life. Eat well at the banquet of BU community. Be attentive to the splendor along Kam Ave. Rule number two for he who shall not be named and all our beloved students, get lost. Get lost. Sometimes we need to get lost on purpose. Sometimes we just need to stop the ego car and admit that we need directions. Now this is gonna sound a little counterintuitive to this GPS dependent generation where a satellite can talk to the gadget in your hand and your good friend Siri can guide you wherever you might like to go. But our wisest spiritual guides tell us that 
Pilgrims on adventures get lost a lot of the time. So let's be aware of the process, not just the destination. In our worship life this fall, we've been traveling with Jeremiah. We've been traveling through exile, displacement, separation, dislocation, life on a foreign avenue. Following political defeat, Jeremiah travels with Judah from home field advantage of Jerusalem to refugee life in Babylonia. At first, there is the shock and lament of arrival in a new place. And then last week, Jeremiah recognized that the Babylonian exile would last a long time. So he said, you better settle in for a while. Build houses and plant vines, thrive. Students, you are not here because you have been exiled or you are lost. You are here by privileged choice to study at this fine university. But what student has not felt the burning loneliness of banishment from all that is familiar? Or the paralysis of fear during these midterm evaluations? Am I good enough? Can I do this? Confessed or not, there is a moment for the longing for the cocoon of the unconditional love at home. It's not only okay to be lost, it's a condition of our humanity. To deny our moments of exile is to deny our moments of restoration. And here's the lavish joy of life. My colleague, the Reverend Jen Quigley, expressed it beautifully when she preached, saying that grace is the serendipitous moment of being found. Sometimes it's good to get lost on purpose. Spend a day away from your determined, efficient production and wander. Wander to the shoreline with Dean Hill. Wander through neighborhoods of Boston. Wander into colleges other than your own. Wander beyond your syllabus and get lost in an idea. Chase a footnote down its rabbit warren of antecedents until you look up at the clock and an hour has passed. It'll probably have nothing to do with the thesis for your current project, but it may lead you to the thesis of your very life, to vocation. Get lost in what you love. Getting lost is a lot like falling in love. You are lost and you are found all at once. Fall in love on purpose. Listen to this short poem by an Ignatius pre Ignatian priest, Father Pedro Arupe. He says, nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love in a quite absolute final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything.
look up, get lost. And my final rule of engagement, be unrecognizable. When you-know-who went off to FISOP community service the week before classes, he was still 17. I had to fill out all these special uh, BU rules of engagement forms to surrender my minor's care to the university. And on these forms, I was asked to include my own cell number. I believe there must have been a slight miscommunication, and apparently my number was confused with he who shall not be named's number. I started to get texts that week, but they didn't sound like texts that my son would write to me. The first one said, hey dude, meet me at the plaza at 10 tonight to start our night out. I wanted to write back, hey dude, I'm the mom, I'm headed to bed at 10 p.m. But instead I wrote, I believe you want you know whose number. Here it is, text him. After about three messages from my new dude friend, who was so friendly and polite, I thought we had it nicely worked out. Until the second week of classes, and I got a text that read, and again I quote, I'm on the Quidditch team, I'm a chaser, I'm a member of Dumbledore's army, and I have two interviews for staff writing positions. Oh great, I thought, it's dude again writing me. <laughs> who is this person? I do not know who this person is who's telling me these things. Until I studied the number and realized that indeed this was he who must not be named. Unrecognizable to me in two weeks, fabulous. Students, reinvent yourself. Or as a friend of mine, Nora Bradbury Hale, writes in her new book called The Freshman Survival Guide, shed your skin, not your skeleton. Do something so different that your parents will have to Google it to figure out what you're up to. I had to Google Chaser. I guess you all know that's a Quidditch position. And I did some research on Facebook and I learned about Dumbledore's Army, and here's what is quoted on Facebook. Boston University Dumbledore's Army is a chapter of the Harry Potter Alliance. We will harness our love for Harry Potter to bring about change in the Boston community through volunteering and fundraising. Who knew? How cool, I love it. Finally, Jeremiah dreams of a day when we are transformed from the inside out, when our hearts are strangely warmed and our new lives of justice and joy make us practically unrecognizable. Jeremiah gives us these famous words, the days are surely coming when I will make a new covenant. I will put my law within them and I will etch it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. Beloved students, this is our deepest and most important dream for your engagement, and it's a dream, not a rule. That the love and grace of God will be so close to you that it is tattooed on your heart. That you will be in relationship with this God in Christ who accompanies you from exile to homeland and back again. Friends, 
mom here, be careful crossing the street. Thank you, thank you for visitation rights and fall in love with God. It will make all the difference. Amen. We now come to a time of prayer in today's worship. As the choir sings our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord, I invite you to assume a posture of prayer which allows you to support the prayers of this community. Remain seated, stand, kneel, or come to the altar rail. ever-present triune God, we pray today for the patience to be persistent. Give us the grace to encourage our national leaders to just solutions of government, which remember the least and last among us. Give us the grace to learn new practices as we care for your creation, waiting to find a recycling bin before disposing of a bottle on the street or leaving for work 15 minutes early so we can take public transit rather than driving. Give those among us who are blessed to be devoted to school and study the patience to apply our, ourselves to our subjects for the benefit of the world. Give those who care for students, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, siblings and friends, the grace to support them as they grow, discover, and learn, even and especially when they are far from home. And give us all the grace to be persistent in seeking reconciliation with one another. May we seek forgiveness with earnestness, and may we forgive with our whole hearts. In that hope and prayer, we are bold to pray in the words that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew and pass that along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We note particularly that following the service today is our annual Parents Weekend Luncheon next door at Barrister's Hall in the School of Law. Given ongoing renovations at the law school, it is a bit tricky to get there, but all you really need to do is go out the front doors of the chapel, head toward the College of Arts and Sciences, and walk around the chapel uh, that way, and you will find yourselves there. There will be people outside to direct you as well. All of our other upcoming services and activities are available in part on the green inserts in your bulletin and in part on the chapel website, bu.edu chapel, along with the opportunity for online giving. Here for some special announcements this morning from the music department is our director of music, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett. Good morning. It's my pleasure to greet you and to invite you starting next Sunday to uh, the opening Sunday of our annual Bach Experience series. For many years now, the chapel choir and collegium have surveyed the cantatas of Johann Sebastian Bach, and over these years, Marsh Chapel now knows everything there is to know about fugues and 18th century Lutheran theology. Uh, this year, however, we're delighted to center our Bach experience around Bach's B minor mass. This is probably his greatest composition compiled at the end of his life, uh, based on many other works. Uh, we will present the B minor mass over the course of the year in four installments, starting next Sunday with the Curie. Next Sunday is also Reformation Sunday, so it's kind of handy um, to do Bach, although it's a Catholic mass. If you haven't been to the Bach experience before, the way it works is you come at 9.45, just like coming to Sunday school. You come at 9.45, join us here in the nave, the choir and orchestra are here with me, and we talk about the music, play some examples, and uh, have a moment to hear the inside of how the music is constructed. Uh, it lasts about 30 minutes, there's breakfast downstairs, and it's an opportunity for you to chat and, um, and engage with the musicians. 
Then, of course, the service is at 11, and uh, we perform the Kyrie, Christe Kyrie of the B minor Mass uh, in complete uh, as part of the service. Next week, we're also joined by the Thurman Choir joining the Bach experience for the first time. So this is a big Sunday for us. In addition, this year, the Bach experience is going on tour and what we are starting to call Marsh Takes Manhattan. Uh, we, we've been invited uh, to present the B minor Mass in two installments as part of Trinity Wall Street's Bach at One series. In Lower Manhattan, uh, the, the Chapel Choir and Collegium will travel twice to New York City this year to present the B minor Mass. The first time is a week from Monday. So next week, we'll sing the service, have the Bach experience, and load buses directly to head to New York to do the Kyrie and the Gloria in Manhattan the next day. As you can imagine, this traveling is, an ex is a significant expense beyond our regular budget. And we're looking to you this morning to begin a campaign to raise $20,000 in support of these two trips. The choir has already committed to $5,000. And there is a, an anonymous, a matching gift of $20,000. So $15,000 to go. So get your checkbooks out. Here we go. Um, there are pledge envelopes. Were they in your bulletin this morning? Yes? Oh, good. OK. So you can see there. Um, and I encourage you to look at the envelope. Uh, Brother Larry and I will be at Barrister's Hall next door for the Parents Weekend Luncheon. I encourage you to chat with us about how you can be involved in supporting our ongoing work. This is an extraordinary opportunity for us to represent Boston University Marsh Chapel, both here in our weekly service, but also beyond. And we're grateful for your opportunity to support in giving. As we come to our morning offering, the Chapel Choir will sing Samuel Sebastian, named after Johann Sebastian Bach, Samuel Sebastian Wesley's Blessed Be the God and Father. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Dear God, spirit of love and life, like the songs we sing and the prayers we speak, our gifts that we offer you this morning are the way we bless and praise you. These gifts are our way of showing our gratitude for all the blessings in our lives. And we pray that these gifts will serve to bless this community. For these gifts and for all that is our lives, we pray, amen. Now go forth to bear witness to the love of God in this world, so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you dear friends. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. And all of God's people together said, Amen. Amen.